mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of one of your absolute favorite podcasts, Don't Blame Me. Are you so happy to be here? No. Honestly, Melissa, us recording this, we're recording virtually, you know, it's the holidays. And if you thought the delay last week was, you know, hefty, just know that now I'm in the middle of nowhere. So our delay is a little intense. So now I kind of feel like, you know, when people are listening to podcasts and there's that meme when they're in their car and or they're like laughing at a billboard and it's like, ah, like all of us together, mm-hmm. like they can't hear me, but like I'm a part of it. Honestly, low-key kind of how we're recording this podcast. Like I feel like I'm yes. listening to you record a podcast and I'm recording a podcast and I'm just like laughing along as an audience member. <laughs> yeah, because like 
usually when we're recording, I look at you. I can't do that. It's just weird. I'm just kind of looking everywhere. So apologies. My eyes are going to be everywhere because it's just awkward to just stare at a screen. I'm staring at myself. I do stare at myself. Like I'm looking, but like I'm looking at different parts of myself. So my eyes are just all over the screen, you know? Oh, I do know as somebody who um, occasionally will, you know, want to have a nice little self-loathing spiral and they'll watch the video versions on Patreon. And I will just be like, Megan, sit still, send this video to your psychiatrist. (laughs) Like I, I am constantly moving. Yeah, but we're like not meant to look at ourselves like this. Do you ever think about the first person that created a mirror? Do you think they screamed? I mean, I'm sure they saw their reflections on other things, but it's different. It's not as clear. Like if you look at like something metal, it's not as clear as you would when you look at glass, like mirror reflected glass. Yeah. Unless you're looking at your reflection in the water at a golf course in High School Musical 2, bed on it, then your reflection is superimposed, essentially a photo, some might say. Don't know what you're talking about, but okay. No, I I do agree with you. And I do think that like, I'm sure that like some fairy tale or um, what are they called? The ones that have like morals. Is that the fables? I don't know. Whatever one of there is. I'm sure there's one about like, I bet they probably use it in like toxic uh, Christian uh, youth group things of like the first woman. It was a woman who was the first person to find a mirror that the man was the one who made it. And she just kept looking at it. And like every few seconds, she just couldn't stop looking until like one day, like it was glued to her hand. I could see there being like a, something like that as a story to like warn children against being of, of vanity. But um, I do think that there is some truth too. We're not supposed to have like a third person view of mm-hmm. us and so much also like of our lives. And I think people are also realizing that now with TikTok, which was like a, a realization I had because I did YouTube or I do, do uh, I think um, <laughs> I had the realization a couple years ago that like I have the ability and the power to like manipulate my memories. Mm-hmm. And then if I can make those memories for public consumption, then I have other people who can vouch for said things, even if I edited together a highlight reel or I made it to be something that like I enjoyed more or I made it to be something that like was better for me emotionally. And then I include other people in on it. And it's it's a very, very odd sort of thing that I think like, you know, serves a time and a place and a purpose. But I think there's a lot more people doing that right now. And it's definitely uh, alarming. Right. Well, what a deep conversation to open this podcast where we sometimes have deep conversations. We give you advice. Listeners call in, they leave us voicemails, and we give wonderful, amazing, life-changing advice ranging from sex to incest. I don't know <laughs> if you're new here, but I want to let you know we are, we are anti-incest. Like, to make that a, abundantly clear. They um, could be in the same category, though. So it's not really a range. A range from um, <laughs> blowjobs to blowjobs um, to you're not giving to family members and to dogs licking peanut off, off of people's nether regions to brides peeing on bridesmaids. Specifically, actually, she was the maid of honor because I know that does make it worse. There, mm-hmm. There is a ranking to, you know, college advice, career advice, friend advice. We we give it all because we have it all. 
I do want to say the peanut butter thing also still incest. Oh my god, the Venn is the same story. Is a circle. <laughs> no, you're right. And I just want anyone who is new here to know that like one of our callers did not call us and say, "Hey, I'm fucking my brother," and there's I'm making a dog lick peanut butter off of me. Like we were, we were like the like the gossip session about. Oh my god, guess what I just heard. So you're not accidentally listening to a podcast where our entire audience is calling and telling us about like their incest escapades. They're telling us about their, you know, partners and yeah. their in- incest uh, things. Anyways, I need to stop saying incest on this episode. <laughs> it's uh, been a couple minutes and I've said it way too many times. So I hope you're excited. I hope that we gave you um, some good insight to what you're going to hear on this show. And you might be wondering how we're qualified to give advice because Megan and Melissa, if you are not, if you haven't partaken in incest, how are you going to give a critique? First of all, fuck off. We're all, we're all allowed to say that. And that's the final time I'm going to say incest. Um, but what we lack in credentials, we make up for in opinions. I was kind of testing how bad our lag was and it was not that bad there. But I also think you knew exact as soon as I started saying that, you're like, I know my cue. I know yeah. where I need to come in. <laughs> Tell me all about your trek to Colorado. Oh my God. So I'm in Colorado. If you are a part of the Patreon, you can see she's back. Also, yeah, join our Patreon, support the show. You can watch live streams. We'd hang out with you and you're going to see the video version of this podcast where it's going to be hilarious to watch these because I, our facial expressions are not going to match up. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to be so funny that whatever faces we're making, the other person's not going to be reacting to. And I can't wait to, to see that part. But yeah, so the drive usually takes about a day and a half to go from L.A. to Bailey, which is like mountains in Colorado. And I think I mentioned this on an extra episode from like a week or so ago, or maybe we just talked about it offline. But initially we were driving because Mats was going to get his new car and he was going to exchange it at the dealership. And then we were going to drive the old car here and then drive the new one back. And about like three days before we were supposed to leave, it was like, oh, it's not going to be ready. And we looked at flights. They were astronomical. It just was not worth it. And we were like, you know, it's going to be fine. We really timed it out with weather or so we thought, because then the um, cold bomb, which we thought we avoided, we dealt with, you know what? And I take it back when I said we should have called it a flash mob because a bomb implies that like there is shit that lasts so much longer. Um, Yeah, we were caught up in the shrapnel of that. We got on the freeway. I don't even, I drove, the first day was pretty much fine. We started up like a little bit later than we wanted to, but it was fine. Like I did the first six hours, listened to Taylor Swift the whole time, was singing. It was great. As soon as the sun went down, I was like, my vision is not good enough. And the nighttime, my halos on my eyes are, they do not work well with those uh, headlights, especially when you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So then Mots did the rest of it. We went to the hotel where we had planned to do like our halfway point. Where did, where did we did the hotel? Grand Junction, I think, Colorado. Yeah. So that's where we went. And that's usually where we'll stop or around that area. So then the next morning, we wake up getting ready to go. And we get a text message from his dad saying the freeway is closed. Like the freeway that mm-hmm. we need to get there. We were like, oh, okay. And it's just for accidents. It's not for weather. Like it, it hadn't been snowing. Like, you know, it was, it was going to be fine. And we were like, okay, waited about an hour, got ready. Um, and then it was fine. We were like, cool. We get on 
we start driving. We are there for, I don't know, like 20 minutes, maybe an hour-ish. And then the freeway shuts down again as we're on it. So we thankfully were able to get off. Mott skipped the first exit. And Melissa, when I tell you, I was about to fucking kill this man. Because he kept being like, well, I don't see the, like, it looks fine to me. Like, I see, like, these cars are still, like, moving in front of us. Like, I don't see, like, it's all empty. Like, there are lots of cars up there. And I was like, babe, that has literally nothing to do with the fact that the freeway is closed. Like, just because you see other people maybe not paying, like, listening, like, that's not, we're not doing that. And so we got off on the next exit, waited out for a little bit. And then suddenly about, I don't know, 30 minutes later, it was like, oh, freeway's back open. We were like, okay, cool. This doesn't, I don't know what would have changed because at this point, it's so windy that all of the snow that is like piled up on either side, the snow plows have like, they've cleared the roads, but they basically have these, I forget what they call like not snow banks, but they have like little piles of snow kind of in between the lanes. Mm -hmm. And you can't see the lanes really well. And now that there's snow blowing, you can't really see much of anything. And you can't see where the lines are in the road. You can't tell what's ice and what's not. And then we were just in like a standstill traffic for like three hours. And then we finally started going. We were holding our breath the whole time. I felt so bad. I know it wasn't my fault that we like drove at all. But I, I just, you know, I felt so bad. He was so anxious, obviously, because we've had like the days from hell. And we legitimately had like, I think it was probably like six or eight hours of like driving 20 miles an hour with like almost no visibility and just hoping that we're staying in the lane and other people are staying in their lanes. and. We finally got about an hour out of the mountains, which is also about like an hour out of Denver. And we were like, there's no way in hell we're going to brave like driving up a mountain that doesn't even have like there's no streetlights. Like we're not going to do that. So we ended up then just driving to Denver and crashing there for the night and then driving back up to the mountains the next day, which also took a decent amount of time because the snow was like still melting. But it literally took us almost three full days when it usually takes us a day and a half. And I didn't even realize that the day we came up to the mountains was Christmas Day. Like, I didn't know. I mean, no, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve I didn't yeah. know it was Christmas Eve until like 5 p.m. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no way. So we have vowed that we are never doing this drive again. Yeah, but if you would have flown, most of those flights were canceled. Yeah, so that is the the kicker. Yeah, Denver had so it's like the number one airport with canceled flights, and they already already have like so many issues with that, even weather aside. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I we said that like if we the next time we do it, we're going to just do we're we're either gonna like ship stuff here or we're gonna do just carry on because I have a friend Jenica who she lives in like around Nashville and they went to New York for like before Christmas, they were supposed to come back to like Nashville area for Christmas, Christmas. And they've been stuck in New York and her bags, they their bags were checked to go back to Nashville like almost a week ago. And they have no tracking on them anymore. Oof. So she has no idea if she's getting her shit. Yeah, that really, really sucks. Yeah. So in the scheme of things, like we're really lucky. Like, you know, we 
skidded a couple times on ice and that was like awful um but it wasn't we didn't crash like we didn't like crash into anyone we didn't have any any sort of issues like that it was just the the mental mm-hmm. <laughs> like the mental toll that it took but at the end of the day like i'm after seeing like all those fucking videos of seattle and just yeah. shit like i'm just and even the whole time i was thinking about like texas and like states with their power grids who aren't equipped for this and even just like the seasons like we were bitching about colorado's what do they call it they call it c dot colorado department of transportation they're like pretty fucking shitty at plowing like they're not very good at it and they're not using salt they're using sand in a lot of these things and they're primed for winter like this happens every mm-hmm. year and so not only are they used to it and they're doing a shitty job but the people who live here are used to it and i can't imagine in a state that isn't prepared and equipped for it and like the civilians like it's just like so fucking scary yeah well i'm glad you made it safely i was very worried but <laughs> hoorah who fucking raw thank fucking god and um not looking forward to doing the drive home we did joke Mott's joked that he was like i'm leaving my car here and we're flying home and like i don't care how i get this car back like i just like i'm never i'm not doing it again and that extreme attitude uh, lasted about 24 hours i was all for it i was like yeah we'll leave your car here like i'm i'm here to be like the hype man i'm like whatever you want to do what's cathartic yeah. and he was like well no i can't actually do it and i was I like mean, oh, okay technically you could because you have to That's you're gonna have to bring it back anyway to exchange it or trade in i should say and like you don't barely drive your car you could drive yours around that was my point and that's what i was like trying i was like even saying to him and his parents when they were like it's probably not gonna work i was like you know what i record the podcast once a week and you can like drop me off and then pick me up which sometimes if it's really late at night or i'm just really tired you already come and pick me up from the podcast and anything else that i have is scheduled that Mm -hmm. so like we could work around it so um depending on what the weather is like i think we might do that oh and i didn't even tell you one of the best parts not the best parts but he changed his windshield wiper fluid in la and so did i obviously um but my car's not here so you know what they don't have in california that's not like standard you have to ask for it all weather windshield wiper spray so it froze Mm -hmm. we had to stop at the gas stations like i don't know every couple hours and then just manually clean it off because it froze yeah I just get it when I go. I just tell them to do it's it smart. as standard because it's it's also just it cleans your car better. And then like sometimes there's a little frost in the morning and you can use it. And then also I get it where it has the rain X in there, too. So when it does rain, it just beats on the side. Hold up. It, I'm writing this down to tell him. Yes. OK, good call. Thank you. You're welcome. That's my weather saga. How are you handling this winter in Arkansas? It's cold as a witch's tit, as they say. Yeah, it's just very cold. We had, we got part of that bomb thing that they were talking about. It wasn't, as far as snow, it was probably like an inch, inch and a half, but it's a lot of ice. So it was very icy. Anyways, that is our catch up. We hope you all had a great holiday if you celebrated. Christmas is over. Hanukkah is over. And what winter solstice happened yet? Yeah, it's like the day before christmas eve i think oh yeah winter solstice happened kwanzaa's not doesn't end until new year's i didn't know that any other holidays that i'm missing as an ignorant white lady who again when i immediately went to winter solstice you can tell where i grew up granola norcal (laughs) 
So we hope you had a good holiday. I really hope for people who weren't able to make it to where they were ended up, where they needed to go, that you were still able to like have a nice holiday. And even if you weren't and the holidays sucked, they're over now. Right. That's like the good thing about it's a complicated, like happy and sad emotional time. And the good thing about them is they're gone as quickly as they came here. <laughs> it's true. I feel like we're still like basking in it. that awkward time between Christmas and New Year's, you know? Well, considering I haven't taken my afternoon Adderall in well over a, a week, I would have to agree with you. Like, I am in this weird limbo when, like, I take my morning Adderall and I have not been taking my afternoon one. Today is the first day that I have. And that is also why the votes for last week's episode of But Am I Wrong went up so late because my brain has been so checked out. And until New Year's, I think that's how it's going to be. But I think Mats and I might even be driving back home on New Year's. Something funny about the uh, voting. Did I do it wrong? No, I put in parentheses for something for you to check the spelling. And you uploaded that. (laughs) Melissa, I don't even know what you're referring to. That's how out of it I was. Ma'am, I did this today and I can't even think in my head what it is. The one with Troy and Sharpay, I put in parentheses, check spelling. I'm not sure if this is pronounced or spelled Sharpay. Oh and you posted that. God. <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> I'm dying. Wait, that's fucking hilarious. I didn't even fucking notice. So checks out. Checks out. What's the show, Megan? This is an advice podcast. And if you want to call in for an upcoming episode, you can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. International listeners, you can send your audio message to Megan at pod Megan at podcast. No, <laughs> Megan Podcast at gmail.com. You have three minutes for both instances if you record a voice memo or a voicemail. With the voicemail, you'll legitimately be cut off um, by the Google voice number. And if it's a voice memo, you memo, you'll be cut off by us. Uh, specifically, aka we're not even going to hear it or see it or anything. It's just automatically going to be a no-go. So keep it under three minutes. And the best way to do that is to write everything down that you're going to say first. Time yourself. Read it out loud. See if you're under those three minutes. Make sure you include all relevant details, how old you are, how old other people are involved in the story or whatever you are telling us as well as like if it's about relationships, how long you've been together, any relevant information. If you're like, oh, this person, like we have this whole history, like, but like it's so long to get into all the things that they've done. Mm -mm. No, we need to know. We need some more examples, especially if it's like a long time period of a a tumultuous kind of relationship. Give us all the juicy details. And the more details we have and like the more accurate description of exactly what happened, the the better advice we can give you. So... It benefits all of us. If you would like to include your pronouns, please do so. But if you do not want to, also totally fine. And you have to be 18 or over or have your parents' permission, which I hate that we have to say that. We really, we we petered off and then suddenly came back around, bit us in the ass. (laughs) That's how you, like, that's how I know that, like, despite the fact that I feel so young, hearing like a 17 year old talk about, sex and alcohol and like me clutching my pearls i'm like oh i am getting older (laughs) i feel old 
this past week, my cousin, it's my, like, my first cousin's son. So I guess this is my second cousin. I don't know how things work. He um, came over to visit, and I have, I have not seen him in 12 years. He's in veterinary school, and I was sitting talking to him, so I haven't really had, like, a conversation with him as an adult. And uh, he's very nice. He might be listening because he started following the podcast account. And after I was done talking with him, I was like, no, that's a very nice young man. I said, I am officially old. I'm old. That sounds like your mom would say. Young man. Very nice young man. Yep. That's honestly, though, like, how else are you supposed to describe someone in veterinary school? Like, that is like, that's a very nice young man. Mm -hmm. A man who's in veterinary school, a nice young man. Right. A man, even if he's older in veterinary school, a nice young man. Like, it's just, they're synonymous. Mm-hmm. Vets will now forever remind me of Shit's Creek. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Shall we get into the episode? Yes. Let's give some advice. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I am 26. She, her. My ex-boyfriend is 29. He, him. I recently broke up with my boyfriend on December 9th, and I got everything out of his house. I moved out. Everything is done. But I did go over to his house to get some more stuff that I left, and we did start buying each other Christmas gifts. So I have a little bit of a dilemma regarding that. So I started getting him stuff, and I, you know, don't really care what happens to it, whether he keeps it or not. I just left it at his house. I asked about the gifts he got me, and he said that he didn't know what he was going to do with it. He said I could keep it. I could leave it. He he said it was too painful to return and too painful to look at. And so he ended up basically throwing this duffel bag of stuff at my feet when I was at his house. And so I took the stuff. However, I'm just sort of struggling with the morality of it, I guess. I feel like I shouldn't have taken the stuff. And it just feels wrong of me to have it because it's like, Yes, he got it for me, but it was under the context of a relationship. And so I just feel sort of dirty taking this, these items from him that he got me for Christmas. Uh, like I said, the stuff that I got him, he can keep it or he can try to return it. It really doesn't matter to me. And then he said the same thing with my stuff. But what do you guys think I should do? Should I pay him for the items? Should I just use the items? You know, it's definitely like a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff, which is a lot of money to me. But yeah, let me know what you guys think. Also, for a little bit of context, I am the caller from the Boyfriend Feels Entitled to My Body call. Mm. Uh, I was the last call on that on that episode. So I'm definitely willing to give an update and talk about this live if you guys want to. But yeah, let me know what you think. Am I a piece of shit for keeping this stuff? And should I pay him or return the gift? Thanks. Bye. So we just did some deep diving in our archives trying to figure this out because Melissa remembered that we had an update to that original call that this caller mentioned at the end about the um, boyfriend feels entitled to my body. We did all of this backdigging. I think that the conclusion we've come to now, and this might change because we're still in the process of figuring it out. We think we might have mislabeled um, an update about love bombing to be that update. So I don't actually think we've gotten this update before. 
I don't remember if we said it in the episode or if anybody else will have the same memory jogged, but just know we went back and listened to that old update and it wasn't an update for this. So we also did some more digging. And if you would like to listen to the original call that um, she was talking about, it's the Boyfriend Feels Entitled to My Body. That's literally the title of the episode from July 4th, 2022. And with our knowledge based on the timelines, um, because in that call, the caller said that they had been dating for three years and living together for one year. And this is, you know, we've broken up and we're no longer living together. I have to assume, and I think we're both going to operate on the assumption that it is that ex-boyfriend that you called about before. Otherwise, you moved in with somebody else really quickly, which no shade, just I hope you didn't have to break so many leases. Um, (laughs) But honestly, even all of that aside, I would say that like you keep the gifts. Like, I mean, first of all, you asked about the gifts for you, which like no shame, like fucking yeah, go for it. Ask about that. But I do feel like maybe you're thinking that was a little too bold and now you're kind of trying to backtrack and your gut wasn't telling you that this was a piece of shit thing to do, which is why you did it and why you accepted those gifts. And I think now you're wondering if you should feel like a piece of shit, but you shouldn't. A, if this is the same boyfriend, he fucking sucked. And even if he wasn't like, you know, if he doesn't want the gifts and doesn't want to look at them and like you bought me something like nice and... I'd like to have it, like, especially because you gave him the stuff that you Mm -hmm. got him. Yeah, like, if you hadn't given him the stuff, I'd be like, you know, he gave it to you, whatever, gift is a gift. But, like, y'all have exchanged. It wasn't, like, one person giving gifts. Y'all exchanged gifts. So keep the gift. If you have ill feelings towards the gift, like, you don't want to have it because it reminds you of him or something, then sell it, but get the money. Like. Or re-gift it to somebody that you owed a gift to and they'll appreciate it. So it's your gift. Do with it what you want. He's got the gift that you bought for him. He can do with it what you want. I say just take it and move on. Yeah, it applies both ways. Like the same way that you're saying you don't care what he does with it. Like that also applies to, to you receiving this gift. Like it doesn't have to mean anything more. And this relationship was like so wildly toxic. I'm happy that you have finally broken up. Um, I'm uh, sad for you that you called in the summer and this breakup happened in the winter. Um, I'm sad that either that was not a financial option for you earlier. I'm sad that it was either not an option you felt you could emotionally do at an earlier date or that you couldn't like financially do at an earlier date. And to me, like you're again, like specifically regarding because you've called about this guy before and we know how shitty he is. Like it does. I wonder if you're kind of feeling still a little enmeshed and that's why you can look at the gift that you gave him as like, oh, it's a throwaway. It doesn't matter. But like you're still searching for like a deeper meaning in what he gave you and that it might like representing something or it makes you a bad person. Like it really, really doesn't. Even if you ended on totally amicable terms or whatever, like if someone didn't want to give you, if I didn't want to give someone a gift after our breakup, I wouldn't do it. Like you, so like he did it on his own volition. There was nothing you could say that could convince him 
or force him to do that. And like, you didn't do it. Like, so it's just like, you wanted it. That's why you asked. You have it now. Don't feel guilty about it. It's not under false pretenses. He didn't have to give it to you. All right. It's not that he wants to, but he said, he's like, I don't, I don't want to keep it and I don't, I'm not going to return it. And so it's like, okay, yeah, here you go. Enjoy. I keep all the shit. I, I even stuff that I, when I was dating, like I have some, I have like a nice little Tiffany's necklace my high school boyfriend got, gave me. I still have that shit. Yeah. I've got like basketball shorts and, you know, they have no meaning to them now. Jackets, hoodies. My biggest regret in life is giving back my I Heart AE Pie booty shorts. In a moment of emotion, I gave them back. And now, as a fully grown adult, I would like those. (laughs) Well, there you go. If you have regrets, sell it. Yeah. And um, let's schedule an update because I'm happy you're out of that relationship. Shoot us an email. Next call. Yeesh. Hey, Megan and Melissa, big fan of the podcast. I listen every week on the last episode that I listened to, uh, winning back an ex. I heard, uh, Megan say that you wanted some Christmas related calls. And so I definitely have one, something that's been bothering me more lately. It's something that's been happening for a couple of years now, but, um, it's just the last couple of days has been bothering me. It's Christmas is a couple of days away. So I am 26 and my husband is 30 and we've been married for about six years now. And, um, I, when we buy each other Christmas gifts, I take a lot of care on what I get him. Like months in advance, I'll be thinking about what he wants. I'll buy him things as I see them and like they'll immediately be hidden and then wrapped and put under the tree once we get our Christmas decorations up. And I just, I don't know. I like to have all those things taken care of weeks before Christmas comes. But then he, on the other hand, procrastinates and just keeps saying, I don't know what to get you. I don't know what to get you. And what do you want? And, you know, I'll drop hints all year long, like, oh, I'd really like to have this or this would be nice. And then, I don't know, is it weird that he doesn't make notes of things? And like, hmm, maybe I should remember that. Is that a guy thing? I don't know. But anyways, the biggest thing is when he finally does get me a gift, he doesn't make any effort to hide what it is. He immediately tells me what he got me and, like, gives it to me as soon as he gets home. But then he asks me to wrap it for him, like, to wrap my own gift and put it under the tree so that I can then unwrap it on Christmas morning. Do you, do you see my problem here? Is this a thing that all guys do? Is this a normal thing that I just didn't know about? Because I gift giving is a really big thing for me. It's kind of my love language. It's how I how I show affection. And to see someone just like not care at all, like here, I mean, he buys me expensive gifts. I'm not saying he doesn't, but like he doesn't like bother to act like he cares about it. So I guess it's just I need advice on how to deal with this. Is this something I can just talk to him about? Is it something that I need to just accept and, and get over it? So yeah, I'd really love to hear what you guys think about this. Like I said, love the podcast. You guys are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. So yeah, bye. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Well, you've been married well. for six years since you were twenty. He was twenty-four. Yeah. <sighs> This is so bad. Yeah, it is. 
I, I would be so frustrated. I mean, like my dad, he gets, he knows what he's getting my mom, but he waits for, he'll give money to one of us. Like he knows exactly what it is, but he wants to make sure like the, the size and fit are going to be right. So he'll get one of us girls to go pick it up for him. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to wrap it because he can't wrap presents. But like, he still knows what he's getting. Like, it's not like he is sitting here asking my mom the day before Christmas what she wants. I've never encountered a man like what the caller has described. Someone who doesn't... I I, I know that you say you drop hints, maybe explicitly telling him how you feel. Like, hey, this really hurts my feelings. I want to be surprised with what you get me for Christmas but it still needs to be something that I want. I know you usually do a good job, but like you're still asking me days before Christmas when I've been telling you all year what I want, what I want. Make a list, please. Like put things, write things down. Does he do the same thing for you for your birthday and for, I don't know if y'all do Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day or your anniversary. Does he do the same things that annoy you? Because this would really annoy me. And then the fact that he tells you and shows you exactly, I mean, uh, when he gets home, I don't know if he's testing to see if you will actually like it or not. And then asking you to wrap it is just the icing on the cake for me. Like, go it's to cruel. the... It's It really is cruel. Like, go have... If you can't wrap something, then go ask someone else to do it or pay someone to do it at one of these kiosks that have gift wrappers. Like, watch a fucking YouTube tutorial on how to wrap a pret. Buy a gift bag for God. Like, what the fuck? This is just awful. This is this it's is truly so awful. awful. And this is not all men. I know we're not no, like this all men not, type people, but no, this for the is first not time all ever, men. I'm saying not all men. Like, not yeah. all men. Like, I'm about to switch fucking sides because of this call. I think that this is like so representative of a much larger um, pattern that will be appearing in your relationship. Like. Whose responsibility is it to get his family gifts? Whose responsibility is it to get your family gifts? Whose responsibility is it to put family dinners in in the calendar? Who's grocery shopping? Who is organizing and cleaning the fridge? Who is keeping a tally of what things you're running out at at home? Like who is doing all of that? Because I'm going to bet it's you. I'm going to bet that you're carrying the vast majority of the mental load in your household and like this is a negative uh not even neg- this is like this is an asshole choice to make that is not acceptable for anyone and so like this isn't something that he needs to like oh i need to like unlearn to become like the 0.11% or 0.0001% who are doing it all right like if mots heard this he would be like that's awful like that's so bad like and that's it's not that every man is ingrained as this is the default. Like it's not. And I do have experience with um, men like this and just not even getting gifts and deciding to not, this not Mots at all. He's like the best gift giver ever. But like it is representative of how he like values your your joy, which like sounds really cheesy, but like it is, it is that it's not just like your time and your energy, but like when you like the positive app, like reinforcement, like when 
you know, like when, when a kid says uh, a word and you're like, oh my gosh, you say it back and you're so excited and they want to do that again. They want it. They want that positive reinforcement. He is your husband. You have been married for six years. You've been together much longer. He knows what your joy is like. He knows what brings you joy. He knows like what your smile looks like when you're like so excited about those things. And he is actively choosing to like deprive you of that in the ways that he can. And like, it's just such an overt act of like cruel passiveness. And that is like never how you should be towards your partner. And you like, you dropping hints all year, like, yeah, he should be writing those things down. Like he should, he should even be like writing down, like, or even keeping note of like, oh, you liked this snack. Like I had to tell Mots finally when I like had opened up a drawer in our pantry that I hadn't like looked in for a while that like I had mentioned that I had liked one of these like snacks and he had been buying like three of them every time we went grocery shopping and we had way too many. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even know you were doing this, but like, let's slow down with that. Like it doesn't even have to be about birthday gifts or holiday gifts, like just someone paying attention to the things that you like and the things that you care about on a day-to-day basis. And if you're not doing that for fucking Christmas and your birthday, you're not doing that for the rest of the year. And then it literally feels like, it feels like a cruel, passive-aggressive thing to being like, okay, look, I got you a gift now. Like now you wrap it. Like here, you're, this is what I, like it's weaponized incompetence to a like legitimately really cruel degree. This is not behavior that like is even socially acceptable within men like this is probably behavior that's socially acceptable with like Andrew Tate and his bros but like this is not this is like the person I know in my life who would do this did that because they hated the person like it was not it wasn't done not maliciously and if it was not done intentionally maliciously which I think like they still have a lot of those tendencies it is when you're so self-centered and so selfish that anyone else's like discomfort or displeasure or robbing someone of their joy is just water under the bridge for you. Like, it's just not a big deal. And that's the only really two options is that like you derive enjoyment from ripping joy away from the people that you love or seeing their disappointment and depriving them of that joy just isn't that big, de- big of a deal to you. Like those are, that's the scale of this. And it's just like, it's fucked because like, I'm fine with Christmas get like with Christmas lists, like Mott and I will like, I mean, we especially we do it for like his family, like, we'll like, I'll tell each other what we want, or even like leading up to the holidays or our birthdays, we will be like, oh, is there anything like anything specific you want for your birthday? Like, and but we always both have like a stockpile of ideas and those conversations happen months and months before. Mm-hmm. And then I'll still check in like Mott's birthday is in January and I usually check in in December and I'm like anything like, cause he'll sometimes he'll get things that he wanted for his birthday for Christmas or there'll be something new that like comes up and I'll be like, let me know. But if he doesn't tell me what he wants, I've already gotten a gift. Like I already know what it is. It's like, oh, should I shift it? Should I change it? Should I, is there anything I am not thinking of or whatever? But like, like, it's just so not all men. Oh, my God, a fly just flew out my cheek. It's so not all men. That's because you said it's not all men. Oh, that fly was like... It's a sign. Bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, Shut up. I don't want to rub it in, but like one of the gifts Moss got me for my birthday, he went to Reformation 
and like was there for hours at deciding which dresses he wanted to get me. And he got me like one of the gifts he got me. He got me like two, two or three like really cute dresses from Reformation. Like, and he checked the sizes that I had at the house and he knew that I would like, it was talking about taking one to a tailor to get it taken in. So he knew to get a smaller size than that one. And like, he like did inventory of what patterns and colors I was lacking in my closet. And then he literally went to Reformation on Melrose and shopped around there for hours. It, and like he had a great time and was so excited to give it to me. And like, I have a, I'm learning to like not be so like shocked and in awe when he does like consider it gifts like that because he's like, well, obviously. And then I watch the gifts his dad gives his mom and it's like the same thing. And it's just like right now, if I had mirrored a relationship that I was surrounded by growing up, I would probably have this same kind of call where it's just like riddled with like, I kind of feel like giving up and disappointment. This is like a way bigger fucking issue of like how your partner cares about you. Like, I would feel so disrespected. It's like Mots lets me get zits on his back. He doesn't enjoy that. Like, it's like you do things for people because you want to make other people happy. And it's not painful for him to like think ahead and get you a gift. Like, it's just really fucked. I'm sorry you have to go through this i know you made this you actually made this call before christmas so i hope this year might have been a little bit better but if not i'm so sorry yeah <sighs> all right so we're gonna take a break now okay <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a a, a secondary of my package and I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's it's so good. I've even like had it on like ice and been like I'm drinking like a drink drink. Like you can throw a little straw in there. I'll, and, and it's it's delicious. It's so good and I just I love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes, but also if you're working out, if you're sweating, hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah, I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss, the vanilla cream, the caramel sundae. I have all three of those flavors. Sometimes I mix and match them. Sometimes I'll use it when I'm baking or I'll just drink it straight. And it is, they're so good. They have a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that makes it so delicious. You can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code blame me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, this I like all of them this is hard and I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like okay so these are like my top ones I'm assuming they will be yours so don't pick the same one as me so then we can swap afterwards and that's what we did so we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley and we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean the Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. On to the rest. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm 21 years old, pronouns she, her, and my dilemma, if you will, is that my mother goes through the trash often, not for recycling purposes, as our apartment complex does not have that option, but more to, as she puts it, collect the trash because we use grocery bags instead of big trash bags because they're expensive. There are excuses that she's just condensing it down. The trash gets collected in the kitchen to be tossed into our communal bin. I don't know why, it's just something we've always done. So she regularly has access to all the trash in the house and takes over of this. This is something she's done for years. And so I know the real reason is to find something on you. She's back up with you before and stuff like that to the point where I have to be careful that they're away. Since attending college and being at homeless, I hadn't had to deal with this much. Most recently, I cleaned out my closet and got rid of some old lotion bottles that expired. And she made a point that the next morning to tell me how ungrateful I was and how God would be ashamed of me because I threw lotion bottles away. When I tried to tell her they were expired, she she said it didn't matter and that she was going to use it herself. She also dug up um, an expired pack of Polaroid film, even though she doesn't even know where Polaroid is. 
The other day, she took out an empty bottle of flavored water drops in an empty box of um, makeup, like an empty package of makeup, and left it out in the open. The problem is not only that it's annoying and violating, it's also the fact that she leaves it out of the open and tries to use it against you in some way to shame you. She is a narcissistic parent, um, which may be helpful, and I don't know her zodiac sign because she wasn't born in America until parents didn't keep record of her birthday, which is common for immigrant parents where I live. But I'm a cancer, so I guess I'm seeking advice on how to deal with it and not let it get to me. Moving out is not an option because culturally you don't leave until you're married, and it's something she's completely against. Thank you. Let me know if I left out anything. I'm sorry uh, if this doesn't make a lot of sense. Love the podcast, and I'm sorry I'm slightly nervous. Thank you. Oof. This is a tough one. I think that, like, your mom, I obviously can't diagnose at all. This seems like you know, a combination of maybe some hoarding tendencies or scarcity mentality. And I have some experience with scarcity mentality, not like personally, not to this extent, but I do need sometimes like a push up to like get rid of something. And if I need it again, I mean, Melissa, you've been helpful for me with this where you're just like, just if like you don't, if you haven't used it in years, you might like if you need it again, you'll buy it again and you'll be fine. And like I that's not how my brain has operated. And that is not even to the level that this is at. But at that point, it's kind of one of those things where it's like either the person in your life who's dealing with these issues gets therapy. It doesn't really seem like that's going to be a possibility. And so then the only response to that is like, you know, the people who are affected by that get therapy because like this is really hard and the fact that like it's stuff is being used against you to like kind of make a point and I think it's also hard to to you you don't want to end up having similar tendencies because you're trying to like appease her tendencies where then like, oh, in a couple years, am I going to be doing the same thing? Because now I'm no longer listening to my own desires, my own impulse, which is like, oh, this is expired. I'm going to throw this out. So I think like if therapy is an option, I think that could help with like when you asked about like how to not let it get to you. I think that could help. Yes, in practical senses that I'm sure a therapist could come up with some things, but also just on an emotional level of maybe it might help you... um recognize that that shame is not directed at you it's usually just her holding up a mirror and it doesn't come from scarcity mentality and like hoarding tendencies don't come from a really stable and positive happy non-traumatic place like they usually stem from something um of a coping mechanism to like some sort of chaos and sometimes it doesn't mean that like you have to take what she says when she is like telling you that like shitty God stuff or whatever, but sometimes it can be easier to have a, have that like talk yourself down in your head when you can know that it's not really directed towards you and it's coming from like a pretty negative personal place. And then I guess for like the practicality of it is like, I think that I would probably just have a I don't know if you go to school or if you go to work um but having like a fanny pack or um because I don't want to say like you know put put the things you want to throw away in your purse because I 
think I, I don't know if she would look through your purse. But I'm saying like, if that is a possibility, yes. If not, have like a fanny pack or a big hoodie or something and put a couple things stuffed like in the front there, put your hoodie on over and be able to throw those some of those things away, even if it's not everything, but something that you can feel like you do have a little bit of agency in your home, even if that means you can't throw things away in your home, but you can throw them away somewhere else if that might help. But this is hard. Yeah, I was actually going to say the exact same thing. It's like maybe when you leave home, if you can take a few things that you for sure need to and want to throw away, take them with you and throw them away in like public trash. Or even if you can go out to the um, bin, maybe when your mom isn't around, the bin at um, at the apartment, dump it in there when she can't see it. You didn't mention it, but like if she hasn't told you, maybe ask her about her background when she was growing up. I mean, I know Megan mentioned a few things, but just specifically just asking her like what kind of things that she had or didn't have when she was growing up, because she may be scared of losing things, not having them running out, being without period, because You know, sometimes having something expired still means that you have it without going without. And I just want to co-sign everything Megan said, because she really hit on all the points I was going to make, too. Yeah, I want to reiterate again this, the, the, the last point that we just made of like, this is a control thing for your mom. And this is an example of like of generational trauma and Control issues are really, really where I think we need the most like education and help with because you're in a situation where your mom feels or has felt at some point out of control and she does this for control. And in doing that, that takes away your control. And then you cope with putting control and gaining control in your life in some other avenue. And it's, it's, there's really, there's really so few options and so few choices that you can make to make you personally feel like you've gained a sense of control. And that is an addicting thing. Like that's, you know, uh, controlling your food, it's substances, it's sex, it's all of these different things, self-harm, like there are all of these different things. And I wish so desperately that like, when I was like, dealing with control issues, which is like still a thing that I have, I wish that I had just been like, it's not all or nothing. Like I can do this thing where I don't have control in this instance here, but I can find little ways I do have control. I don't need to like completely pivot to another avenue there because somebody else needs so much control that it makes me feel like I'm being stripped of all of mine and I'm left with so few options. There are more options and you can only see those options and know you have those options with like practice and trying and doing that and it's and it comes from like a self-love place versus a like need and and yeah having a conversation with her I think is a really good idea because I I don't have as much of a scarcity mindset that I mean I got it from my dad and he grew up like really 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 poor in Pittsburgh and like I we could I couldn't throw away like tang from Y2K like I could not throw away expired food and like I have expired vitamins at my house that like I'm like, okay, well, if it's in a couple months, like I will if I don't take them in like the next couple months, like then I'll throw them away. And I still haven't done that yet. But like 
there are some times where I'm throwing something away and I'm so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's, I'm, what if I need it? What if I need it? What if I need it? And I'm like, you know what? If I need it again, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. But like, I didn't always have that mentality. I wasn't born with that mindset or that mentality. I didn't grow up like with a ton of money, but like I wasn't born into a circumstance where I needed to use expired things. I That was a learned behavior. And you're at a stage right now where you can see that that behavior is not rational in your mom. And you don't have to appease her so much that you end up losing your own agency. So like exert whatever agency you can have, even if that feels like you're jumping through hoops and you're not like, making a huge difference in how much you're throwing away. But it's just like the act of being able to still do that. But this is really fucking hard. And I feel for for you and maybe even just like your mom said that like big trash bags are like too expensive. And I was also raised in a family where you threw away trash and grocery bags. And like, I still do that a lot here. Like, you know, maybe for you, if you save up for her birthday or a holiday or something that you get her a a trash can that can like hold a couple of those bags and kind of keeps it a little bit tidier and nicer and giving that to her in a way that it's like, oh, I thought this would be great for like, you know, you can put these things in here and then you're able to collect them. And then when you're ready to take them out, we can carry the whole thing out together. And it comes from a way of like, oh, look how functional this is for the thing that you are doing, as opposed to like shaming the thing that she's doing and in doing that you might it it can take those things maybe out of uh mind's eye and a little bit more neatly put away Mm -hmm. Mm. but i'm sorry yeah all right next call i'm megan and melissa um i've been listening to the podcast forever but this is my first time calling in um a little bit of background i'm almost 24 just to make this call make a little bit more sense. I grew up in a very high demand religion and I'm currently living within an area that um, has a lot of people from this religion, aka Utah. (laughs) I am married. I got married really young and I'm no longer part of that religion, but I felt like this was kind of an important part to know. I also have the works of comorbidities. So I I have chronic depression, chronic anxiety, ADD, PTSD, OCD, the works, right? So basically, um, since I did grow up in this religion and I'm still in an area with a lot of people from uh, this strong religion, talking about like sex with my friends or anything just isn't a thing. I'm very comfortable talking about sex and my sex life and, you know, having those kind of conversations. I just don't really have anyone to talk to about it. And so basically I just need help. Like is what I'm going through normal? Is it not? What should I do? Basically, um, this doesn't happen all the time, but I will be like having sex with my partner or starting to have sex. And there'll be times where I just get completely turned off for no reason, or we're just like starting foreplay. And all of a sudden, it's almost like I get the ick and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even want to be kissing. And it just feels like I've almost disassociated from that situation. Um, I do think that therapy could be good for this, but I have some other really big things that I'm working on in therapy, and I just don't have that mental capacity to add that to the list. And I also, maybe it's normal. I'm not sure. Just, like, I might even be excited for it or looking forward to have sex, but then there's just moments where I turn off mentally. And 
I have a really hard time verbalizing that. I am good at verbalizing um, what I need and want from sex when it's not happening, but in the moment, I have a hard time communicating what I'm feeling. I also do feel guilt for, I guess, maybe stopping halfway through, even though I know that my partner would have absolutely no issue with that. That's just kind of like that internal people-pleasing worry, I guess. So yeah, my question is, does anyone else go through this? If not, is it disassociation? If you know, like, what is this? Why is this happening? Um, How can I talk to my partner about it? Anyways, any advice would be really great. Thank you, guys. Well, if you need somebody to talk to, maybe DM those swingers. They could probably help out. Oh, my God. I think they're making a reality show <laughs> that. was a them. joke. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I think there's well, a reality show that they're making on, like, MTV or Bravo I wouldn't or be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if... I mean, neither of us can really say if that's disassociation. I think that, like... Because you said you have ADD, like... There's like you can space out and have that not be um, disassociating. And I think that your your knowledge and feeling of an ick, I and again, I could be very wrong here. I would think that that kind of would negate the disassociation because disassociation tends to be like you are disassociating from like your thoughts, your feelings, your surroundings, like like all pretty much like your senses, like you kind of are just like you're gone. And there isn't a really like uh, a train of thought, even if it's like, oh, I suddenly got the ick. I don't know why. At, at least in my personal experience, it hasn't it hasn't been not, not so many thoughts happening in the moment. But with like ADD, sometimes you can zone out even without having it. Like I've got ADHD even without having that. Like you can suddenly start thinking about something else or your room could smell funny or like anything. Like we've talked about this so much about how the orgasm when you have a vagina is so multifaceted and like on like what can turn you on and, you know, all of that. And sometimes you just have like out of body sort of like mind and body not connecting feelings. And I wouldn't say that this is normal in the sense that like, oh, don't worry about it. This happens to everyone, like power through. But I would also say that like, it's, it's, there's really, there's really so few options and so few choices that you can make to make you personally feel like you've gained a sense of control. And that is an addicting thing. Like that's, you know, uh, controlling your food, it's substances, it's sex, it's all of these different things, self-harm, like there are, all of these different things. And I wish so desperately that like when I was like dealing with control issues, which is like still a thing that I have, I wish that I had just been like, it's not all or nothing. Like I can do this thing where I don't have control in this instance here, but I can find little ways I do have control. I don't need to like completely pivot to another avenue there because somebody else need so much control that it makes me feel like I'm being stripped of all of mine and I'm left with so few options. There are more options and you can only see those options and know you have those options with like practice and trying and doing that. And it's, and it comes from like a self love place versus a like need. And, and yeah, having a conversation with her, I think is a really good idea because I, I don't have as much of a scarcity mindset that, I mean, I got it from my dad and he grew up like 
really, really, really poor in Pittsburgh. And like, I, we could, I couldn't throw away like Tang from Y2K. Like I could not throw away expired food. And like, I have expired vitamins at my house that like, I'm like, okay, well, if it's in a couple months, like I will, if I don't take them in like the next couple months, like then I'll throw them away. And I still haven't done that yet. But like, there are some times where I'm throwing something away and I'm so, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's, I'm, what if I need it? What if I need it? What if I need it? And I'm like, you know what? If I need it again, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. But like, I didn't always have that mentality. I wasn't born with that mindset or that mentality. I didn't grow up like with a ton of money, but like I wasn't born into a circumstance where I needed to use expired things. I, that was a learned behavior. And you're at a stage right now where you can see that that behavior is not rational in your mom. And you don't have to appease her so much that you end up losing your own agency. So like, exert whatever agency you can have, even if that feels like you're jumping through hoops and you're not like making a huge difference in how much you're throwing away. But it's just like the act of being able to still do that. But this is really fucking hard. And I feel for for you and maybe even just like your mom said that like big trash bags are like too expensive. And I was also raised in a family where you threw away trash and grocery bags. And like, I still do that a lot here. Like, you know, maybe for you, if you save up for her birthday or a holiday or something, that you get her a a trash can that can like hold a couple of those bags and kind of keeps it a little bit tidier and nicer and giving that to her in a way that it's like, oh, I thought this would be great for like, you know, you can put these things in here and then you're able to collect them. And then when you're ready to take them out, we can carry the whole thing out together. And it comes from a way of like, oh, look how functional this is for the thing that you are doing, as opposed to like shaming the thing that she's doing. And in doing that, you might, it, it can take those things maybe out of uh, mind's eye and a little bit more neatly put away. All right, next call. Hi, Megan and Melissa. Um, I've been listening to the podcast forever, but this is my first time calling in. Um, I have a little bit of background. I'm almost 24. Just to make this call make a little bit more sense, I grew up in a very high-demand religion, and I'm currently living within an area that um, has a lot of people from this religion, a.k.a. Utah. <laughs> I am married. I got married really young, and I'm no longer part of that religion, but I felt like this was kind of an important part to know. I also have the works of comorbidities, so I, ha- I have chronic depression, chronic anxiety, ADD, PTSD, OCD, the works, right? So basically, um, since I did grow up in this religion and I'm still in an area with a lot of people from uh, this strong religion, talking about like sex with my friends or anything just isn't a thing. I'm very comfortable talking about sex and my sex life and, you know, having those kind of conversations. I just don't really have anyone to talk to about it. And so... Basically, I just need help. Like, is what I'm going through normal? Is it not? What should I do? Basically, um, this doesn't happen all the time, but I will be, like, having sex with my partner or starting to have sex, and there'll be times where I just get completely turned off for no reason or we're just, like, starting foreplay, and all of a sudden it's almost like I get the ick, and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even want to be kissing, and it just feels like, I've almost disassociated from that situation. Um, I do think that therapy could be good for this, but I have some other really big things that I'm working on in therapy and I just don't have that mental capacity 
to add that to the list. And I also, maybe it's normal. I'm not sure. Just like I might even be excited for it or looking forward to have sex. But then there's just moments where I turn off mentally and I have a really hard time verbalizing that. I am good at verbalizing um, what I need and want from sex when it's not happening. But in the moment, I have a hard time communicating what I'm feeling. I also do feel guilt for, I guess, maybe stopping halfway through, even though I know that my partner would have absolutely no issue with that. That's just kind of like that internal people-pleasing worry, I guess. So yeah, my question is, does anyone else go through this? If not, is it disassociation? If you know, like, what is this? Why is this happening? Um, how can I talk to my partner about it? Anyways, any advice would be really great. Thank you, guys. Well, if you need somebody to talk to, maybe DM those swingers. They could probably help out. Oh, my God. I think they're making a reality show <laughs> That was a them. joke. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I think there's well, a reality show that they're making on, like, MTV or Bravo I wouldn't or be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if... I mean, neither of us can really say if that's disassociation. I think that, like, because you said you have ADD, like there's like you can space out and have that not be um disassociating and i think that your your knowledge and feeling of an ick i and again i could be very wrong here i would think that that kind of would negate the disassociation because disassociation tends to be like you are disassociating from like your thoughts your feelings your surroundings like like all pretty much like your senses like you kind of are just like you're gone and there isn't a really like uh, a train of thought, even if it's like, oh, I suddenly got the ick. I don't know why. At, at least in my personal experience, it hasn't it hasn't been not not so many thoughts happening in the moment. But with like ADD, sometimes you can zone out even without having it. Like I've got ADHD even without having that. Like you can suddenly start thinking about something else or your room could smell funny or like anything. Like we've talked about this so much about how the orgasm when you have a vagina is so multifaceted and like on like what can turn you on and, you know, all of that. And sometimes you just have like out of body sort of like mind and body not connecting feelings. And I wouldn't say that this is normal in the sense that like, oh, don't worry about it. This happens to everyone, like power through. But I would also say that like, it's not unheard of. It's not like the the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. And also it could be a cause of a lot of things. And it also like, if it's ha like happening, like it could happen two days in a row for completely different reasons. Like it could be, oh, there was like that pillow scratching or like my hair just got like stuck under my armpit or whatever it is. Or it's like, I just got a rush of feelings of like religious guilt or like I'm not wet enough. And this was like kind of uncomfortable. And I think like the more in tune you can be in the moments of communicating, that's like a practice. And you might be able to find what it's stemming from and addressing those things there. But like the biggest thing as someone who's not even religious, but like when you bring up that you're feeling guilt to me that just that's the toxic religion winning in that moment and I think that of all the feelings that we should run away from it's shame and guilt and if 
an action that you are doing or how you're responding to something is leaving you with guilt, that's not an emotion that serves you. And it's like, okay, I, in my mind, this is what I think is the better option, but I'm feeling guilty. And that's like, that's a red flag for me. And so now let's divert this. And I think for women a lot specifically, but also women who, more specifically women who grew up in religion, guilt is... (laughs) It's kind of like that first turn on a drive. Like it's like it's automatic going there. It's really easy to get there and to be more comfortable there because it's can be a lot of what you are taught or something you're really familiar with. And as opposed to being like, how can I solve this? It's like, how can I eliminate more guilt from my life? And the guilt you're feeling here is something that you've even said that like my partner would, my husband would be like, no, like don't worry about it there. And I think you need to get that out in in practice and not just you saying that in, in your head because, you know, those little voices can lie to us. And sometimes when we say like, well, I know this is how it would go, at least for me, sometimes there's still a part of me I'm like, but maybe not. And now I'm afraid to like vocalize it in case. And I just think like the more you can avoid the guilt that I think it'll be easier for you to unpack if there is like a constant through line for why this is happening. Yeah. Also... I know you said that you're not ready to talk to your therapist about this, but it could also be something physical, like hormones or something, something with your libido or sex drive. And I would just like, if you're not ready to talk to your therapist about it, talk about your mental health, also talking to a physician about your physical health, just to check the boxes off. I tried to Google and see if there was any like information about this and I couldn't really find anything in these last few minutes. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm probably not using the right combination of words, but I don't know your means. If you're able to maybe having a separate therapist where you could dive into this. Um, I do know some people that have separate therapists for separate needs and so that you don't have to worry about talking to them about this one thing because you're working on something else this can be a therapist specifically for this this issue and maybe I know that you said like during sex you do feel guilty are you being truthful with your partner about what's happening with your body I know it can be a little bit embarrassing and you don't want your partner to feel like They're not desired, but being truthful also could open up some things mentally with you that could help with it if it's not a physical issue, but just so that your partner is aware of what's going on too. So then that guilt is taken away from you as well. Yeah. I I, I also like, I don't know if you're in our Facebook group or are part of like our Patreon, mostly just because I don't know. I have, I know one person in Utah, but I think it would be really important for you to have friends that you can talk to about this and not keep this all like so internal. And I think having two therapists, if your means are able to do that, like that would be a great idea. But even just being able to talk with other people about it. And like you were saying, like you're better at communicating with your partner, not in the moment. So like I would have a conversation big, hey, so this has been happening. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's me. I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from, if it's a physical thing or if it's an emotional thing. So let's come up with something when that happens in the moment that I'm just going to like tap you twice on your shoulder or something like that. And I'm just going to like immediately reach into my bedside table and grab out like 
my journal and I'm going to write down whether it's like the sensations that I'm feeling, the the room, like just figuring out like, what did I do today? Is there like something that's playing in my head? Is there anything that's weighing on my mind in that moment? And being able to kind of get that out there. But I think right now you're, this issue's feeling really insular. So you're keeping it all in. And I don't think that's, I don't think you're going to be able to, it's like sticky and like really webbed and entangled. And it's like when you're untangling a necklace, like sometimes I need to put it on a bright white surface that's well lit, that's laying flat. And I'm meticulously doing that, but I'm not going to do that in the dark while sitting up. Like sometimes we'd need to verbalize, to process things or whatever it is. But your partner does, like Melissa said, your partner needs needs to know. And if you're not ready to tell him in the moment, I think you need to come up with a way that he knows it's happening in the moment and how he can support you. And I think inevitably you will be, you'll feel more open. And I think physiologically your body won't shut down because it's no longer and has never been a you problem. Like it's the emotional side is so tied to how our body responds to things. And my therapist one time said this to me, which not even in this context, but it was one of the most helpful things she said, where she was like, if you could have figured this out on your own, you would have by now. And that has just been a through line in my life that I found really helpful that like, I like to do everything myself. I think I can figure it out. And I try. And if it was easy and if I could have done it, oh my God, I would have done it by now. And that's how it is when you're, a deter- like when you're determined to do something. Sometimes you just, you just can't. And I think you're recognizing that you don't have a space to be sex positive and to talk about those things. And I think even that is internalizing it. Like when you watch movies and a couple's having sex and you're like, is that normal? Is that like, is that like how this goes? Is that not how I would feel? Or and even if it's not, a really huge ordeal if it's just like socially talking about it casually. I think if you can't talk about sex with your friends, it's really hard to talk about sex with your partner. It's really hard to talk about sex with a therapist. Like, I think that you know that that's an area in your life that you are really like lacking relationships in that way. And that's fair. Yeah. Our Facebook group talks about it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Much to Zuckerberg's dismay. All right. Well, we're going to take another break. Woo! A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. We're back, and it is time for Don't Blame Them. Don't Blame Them is where listeners call in with their own advice pertaining to a call that we played on a previous episode. So maybe they missed something in the original call that we didn't touch on, or they have their own advice because they've been through it by proxy. Maybe they have their own personal experience with it, or they just want to be like, wow, Megan and Melissa, like you give wonderful, amazing advice. And I would just like to co-sign everything that you both gorgeous, glamorous, sexy ladies said. And we don't get enough of people just like really going on and on about how hot and great we are when giving other people (laughs) advice. All right, here we go. Hello to my favorite people. I am listening to the podcast, the episode about winning back an ex, and just wanted to call in with a don't blame them for that call specifically. I didn't even finish listening to y'all's advice because I was like, I need to call in right now. So first of all, callers. What Megan and Melissa were saying about we do not fight for people, like we do not fight to keep somebody in our life who does not want us. God, I wish someone would have told me that. Piggyback on that 1,000%, I recently went through a very similar breakup to what you were talking about a couple months ago, and that was something that was really hard for me to sort of realize is that I need to want somebody who wants me back. Not like wants me back, like to get back together, but wants me the same way I want them. 
And then also the issue of not knowing why you two broke up. At the end of the day, it does not matter. And I'm months out from my breakup and have just kind of realized that it's called a breakup because it broke. Like you don't break up with somebody who it's going to work out with. That's just not how relationships work. And one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten with breakups is from Megan's book, uh, subtle plug right there, of make a list of everything in that partner that you want in your future partner and all the things that you refuse to put up with ever again. That's always really helped me in realizing that not everything in that relationship was perfect and that I was most likely looking at it with rose-colored glasses. And then I know it's hard, but my last little piece of advice is to just keep your head on your shoulders. With mutual friends, it can be so tough to, like, not talk shit and, like, just be, I hate this term, but, like, be the bigger person at the end of it. But I chose the path of just keeping to myself, focusing on myself. I know you said you were in therapy, and that is something that helped me so much in working on myself. Meanwhile, the past couple of months, my ex has been completely destroying his life, and that's the best karma there is. So I love you so much. I love all of you so much. And you got this. Someone out there is going to love you in such an incredible way. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Wonderful, amazing, wonderful, amazing. Sometimes I forget that I wrote a book with great, fantastic advice in it and also some shitty advice. But hey, if that's not on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen that has the ability to review. And maybe you just want to leave an Instagram comment being like five stars would write again. And, you know, we would also appreciate that. If you want to call in for an upcoming episode, leave us a voice through 1-0-6-9-4-0-9-7-6. International listeners, megapodcast.com. I'm just saying it fast because you all know the shtick. It's also in the show notes as well as what I said at the beginning. And yeah. We've got a whole slate of new episodes for you this week. We've got our See You Next Tuesday, which is comes tomorrow, Tuesday. And Don't Blame Me this week and our Fisting Friday. So you only have to miss us on Wednesdays. We're so kind and thoughtful in that way. You can always listen to an old episode on Wednesday if you don't want us to be out of your life for that long. I, I, if you're getting like heart palpitations, being like, oh my gosh, how can I live without them for one day? To that, I say you should. There's a lot of people who've said the same thing. Like it's just we're 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 infectious. We're that word still has not come back after COVID. Um, we're 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 so enticing that like you know it's like your morning coffee. How are you supposed to poop without listening to us every single day? That'd be a fun Pavlovian like response where it's like you know obviously coffee makes you poop, but it's also like the routine of having it that like. Mm-hmm. someone listens to us in the morning before they poop and it's like well how am I supposed to poop if I don't listen to Megan and Melissa give wonderful advice I like that anything else or shall we end it that's it let's end it let's land this bird okay Sully Sullenberger <laughs> okay everyone goodbye bye <laughs>